You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 286, book excerpt, Storm Clouds Rising. So last last week I released my seventh novel, my 14th book overall. This is my seventh novel. It's another uh, action suspense thriller type story, and I really encourage you to check it out. And also, just a couple of weeks ago on, on the podcast... Gave just a, a short snippet of the very first section of the book. I, I read that so you could kind of get a taste of where the book is going. This section today that I'm going to read has a bit more action. It's a little bit longer. But I want to kind of give you a, a, just a, a flavor, um, just a taste of the story and some of the characters. Now let me set up this scene for you. Uh, the director of operations for the CIA has been targeted for assassination. She's in her uh, armored SUV en route to work. She's got her driver and her two bodyguards with us, with, with her. And um, she's being targeted for assassination by a Mexican cartel. And a couple of names you're going to hear. You're going to hear uh, Juan Guerra. He is one of the Mexican uh, cartel leaders. Uh, another gangster that you'll hear uh, the name over and over again is Damian Sanchez. Uh, quite an interesting backstory to him. I'm not going to give it all right now, but uh, if you read the book, you'll get it. And then, of course, the uh, central character in this section, the, the 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 person who's targeted for assassination, is Sandra Dunning, the director of operations for the CIA. And I think the other characters, you'll kind of pick up who they are as we go along. So. Uh, without further ado, let's jump into the excerpt. McLean, Virginia, Monday, 0725 hours. The two Humvees were in position waiting on word from Juan Guerra that Dunning's vehicle was approaching. Guerra and one of his DC associates were tailing the SUV and Juan's pickup. When their target got to the designated location on Chain Bridge Road, the cartel hit teams would spring into action. Another of Guerra's gangsters was staging nearby in a work van to provide backup and to help transport the shooters from the scene. Damien's vehicle was backed into a dirt drive that led down to the Potomac Heritage Trail. The scenic trail wound under a narrow bridge over Chain Bridge Road. A few other vehicles were parked in the small parking area, their occupants getting in an early morning walk or jog through the picturesque National Park. Sanchez's team was composed of him, two of his men from Mexico, and another of Guerra's soldiers. Joaquin Chapo Avalos was seated in the driver's seat of Damien's Hummer, He was one of Juan's gangsters, but he appeared to be sharp. 
With a nickname like Shorty, it was no surprise that he had his seat pulled way forward, giving Sanchez plenty of room for when he crawled into the turret to man the M240 machine gun. Each of the men in the vehicle were also armed with an M16 or an M4 rifle as well as a 9mm Beretta pistol. They had extra magazines for both weapons and were clad in stolen National Guard uniforms. The other Humvee sat in a private driveway 500 feet further down the road. Getter's earlier surveillance had revealed that the driveway led a couple of hundred yards back into the woods to a large home overlooking the Potomac River. He had never seen anyone there and assumed that it was a vacation home. The vehicle was commanded by Ricardo Little Ricky Dominguez. Little Ricky had not served in the military, but was a natural leader. He and Sanchez had worked together numerous times before. Another of Damien's soldiers, along with two of Juan's, completed the second team. Dominguez would man the M249 machine gun when their target arrived. Sanchez and Guerra had scouted the location the previous afternoon. Juan had reconned the area himself over the past week, and he pointed out the best place where they could set the ambush up. In moments, their target would enter the perfect death trap. Damien would launch the attack just as the Yukon drove past the entrance of the Potomac Heritage Trail. His goal to trap them on the narrow bridge and preventing Dunning's escape. Approaching your location, ETA less than five minutes, Gara's voice came over the walkie-talkie in Damien's hand. Roger, keep us updated. A few miles away, the black Yukon made its way towards CIA headquarters. Seated behind Tom, Sandra stared at her phone reading an email. The bodyguards scanned the area looking for any possible threats. Sean focused on driving, but something in the mirror caught his attention. Hey guys, it's probably nothing, but there's a blue pickup that's been following us for the last two miles. I first saw it when we pulled out of the boss's neighborhood. They've stayed way back. There's two cars between us and them, but something just feels off. Tom immediately looked out the passenger side rearview mirror as Tim turned in his seat to peer out the back of the SUV. Dunning sensed the tension, looking up from her phone. Are we okay, she asked. The two primary bodyguards saw the pickup hanging several hundred feet behind them. That was not normal behavior, especially in the Metro D.C. area where everyone was known for their aggressive driving. A lookout, Tom asked. Could be, or it could be nothing, Tim replied. What's going on, the director of operations demanded. We're not sure, ma'am, Tim answered. The vehicle's been following us for a few miles. There were several different routes that Taylor used when driving Director Dunning to work to avoid creating a pattern that someone could capitalize on. The problem was that now they had passed the other turnoffs, just leaving one route available. Chain Bridge was a tree-lined, two-lane road that was usually not as congested as some of Northern Virginia's other roads. Punch it, Sean. Let's create some distance. See how fast this thing will go, Tim ordered. Taylor immediately shoved the gas pedal to the floor. He had been trained in pursuit and evasive driving during his time at the farm, but his two spec-op mentors had also taught him a few tricks as well. 
After a mile, the road made a sharp curve to the right as it went under the George Washington Memorial Parkway. Just as they passed under the parkway, a desert tan Hummer burst out of an almost hidden drive on their left, a sign identifying it as the Potomac Heritage Trail. The military vehicle had to pause a moment because of traffic, or it would have slammed into the driver's door of the Yukon. Sean shouted, Look at that Humvee! A man in a camo uniform stood in the turret, pointing a machine gun at them. Suddenly, loud impact shook the SUV as bullets ripped into the armored panels and bullet-resistant glass. Sean caught movement from his front as another military Humvee rushed straight towards them from the other direction. Taylor just managed to jerk the steering wheel to the right, avoiding a full head-on collision. The oncoming Hummer smashed hard into the left front corner of the Yukon, jarring them to a sudden stop on the narrow two-lane bridge. The machine gun on top of the second military vehicle was now chattering, bullets raking the windshield and hood with automatic fire. Dust filled the interior of the GMC from the deployed airbags. A second later, the first Humvee rear-ended Dunning's Yukon, pinning it between the two military vehicles. The occupants were slammed forward against their seatbelts as the heavy rounds pounded the SUV from both ends. The bulletproof glass was already cracking from the sustained machine gun fire smashing into the windows. Tim and Tom sprang into action, releasing their seatbelts and preparing to go on the offensive. With the heavy barrage striking the thick glass, it was just a matter of time before the windows would dissolve and machine gun bullets would be raking the interior of the vehicle. The former Spec Ops warriors knew that they had to turn the tide quickly or Director Dunning would be killed. Before he exited the Yukon, Tim reached over and unsnapped the shocked woman's seatbelt, pushing her down towards the floorboard. Get as low as you can, ma'am, and stay there, he ordered as he kicked open his door and dove out, rifle firing. When Sean realized that they were trapped between the two attacking vehicles, he released his own seatbelt and grabbed the H&K MP5 submachine gun from under his seat. Tom's rifle was up as he shoved open the passenger door, also preparing to engage the attackers. Call for help and stay with the boss, the former SEAL yelled at the younger man over the roar of gunfire before throwing himself into the fight. Well, I hope that gives you a taste of uh, the novel. Obviously, I'm not a trained voice actor, and my accents aren't that great, but at least it gives you a little bit of a hint of, uh, of the story. So the, the link is in the show notes. I hope you'll check it out, Storm Clouds Rising. And uh, if you do, if you like it, uh, you know, you can, you can always read the first chapter or two on Amazon for free and, uh, and then, you know, click the buy button. I'd love that. That'd be great. And uh, if you enjoy the book, give me a great review on Amazon. I would really, really appreciate it. Well, that is all for this week. I just wanted to give you a taste of the book. It's always, for me, it's always uh, just a, a real exciting time when I release a new book. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of work going into it, the, the writing, the editing, the revising, you know, putting the story together. And, uh, and I write books that, that 
I like to read. These are, you know, I write stories that that interest me. So I hope it interests you too. Check it out, and we will see you next week on Leading and Learning. Mm-hmm.